Lone Star 187 is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case File 23, Roseanne Galunis. Welcome back. Welcome back, people. So we are picking up where we left off. Larry Ayler and his friend had gone to the farm and heading back and they were being shot at. So oh, at this, that's right. Yep. At this point, what what are your thoughts on what, what the hell's going on? I think it's Larry Ayler's wife. Why do you think that? Because she seems really sketchy. They haven't interviewed her or talked to her. I think she's involved somehow. Okay. All right. Well, this is a yeah. this is a conclusion, so we will find out. Okay. So back to where we left off. Larry is in the truck with his friend Don, and they are shot. So Don is yelling, uh, "Let's get out of here!" And they hear another gunshot through the door. And that's when Don is shot. He's shot in the elbow. So Larry floors it, heads towards the truck that they had seen earlier. It was parked on the bridge. He's like, I don't care if anybody comes out of that truck, I'm running him over. And he passes the truck. And as they pass, they realize that's the truck that they had seen earlier. That was parked. No, that. So you know how whenever they were sitting in the lot of the barn. They saw the truck parked. No, they saw it, it came down the road. Okay. And they came around and then left. And okay. they thought that was her, but it wasn't. So this was that truck. Got it. Okay. So they decide to head towards the closest town, which was Terrell. They find a police department and they pull up because it's closer than any hospital. So they pull up and they start telling the detectives what's going on. And the detectives call out to some paramedics to come and take care of them. And Are they both shot or just one guy? They're both shot. Um, but Larry doesn't have a bullet in him. He has a graze. And then he has a lot of glass oh, okay. lacerations to his face from yeah. the windshield. Yeah. yeah. And so... As the detectives are hearing, they're like, it really sounds like maybe y'all ran up on a drug deal. Maybe they, maybe they were doing some business and you happened to drive by. So they told him, you know, based on where it happened and where you are now, you need to go to Kaufman County because that's where it happened. We can't really help you here. Is it true? Well, I think because they were out of city limits. Yeah, the farm was out in Kaufman County and they okay. were in Terrell. So they, the paramedics take him to the nearest hospital. Don had to have surgery on his elbow because he had a nerve that was shredded. Mm. And so Larry calls Joy and tells him, you know, tells her what's going on. So he's ready to leave and go home. And when he calls Joy, she's like, um, I don't really think that you should come home because if someone's trying to kill you, I don't want you coming to the house. Yeah, don't bring the heat on us. Shit. <laughs> I'm like, what an awful wow. wife. She's like if Russell supportive. called and was like, some jerk just shot at me, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm on my way. Yeah. Like, I don't even want to talk to you. I want to get there. I want to see you visibly and make sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, I don't think you should come here. I think you should stay there because they might follow you. That's Okay. So whenever Larry gets back home, he calls Detective McGowan and told him the story. And he feels that the husband, Dr. Peter, is involved. He's like, always. He's like, he has to be involved. He is pissed at me for having the affair and finding out about it. So I really think that that it's him. So McGowan listens to his story, reads the report, and he feels like maybe they were poachers that they had come across. He's like, I really don't think you were being targeted. I think y'all were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Because uh, y'all... Still, like, poachers are not going to shoot a fucking I was going to say, the only way I think I disagree with them, mm-hmm. because if you didn't see the transaction or if they didn't think you were a cop, they're just going to wait for you to go and hopefully you keep going and they're going to go back to what they were doing. So, I mean, this farm is not has not been visited in some time and has not been <sighs> taken care of. So the detectives don't know who these men are. Or why they were there. And if no one's been at the farm, no one can tell them how often these men have been frequenting this road. So if they have been using it to hunt on illegally, or if they have been using it to do drug deals, and now they see that maybe they came down the road, saw a truck parked there, and was like, oh shit, we can't be here, we gotta Mm -hmm. go. What if they know that we've been using this area? You know, so that's kind of... Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Then you just haul ass and get out of there and hope yeah. they didn't get your license plate or something, right? The description's a lot better than a murder. 
Right. So a few days later, uh, Larry finds out that Joy's been having an affair on him. Uh-oh. You know is, it, is it with the guy in the truck? With the shooters? Well, they, they don't know who those guys are. They didn't get a good description. They didn't so get a license we, we never find out. We, we don't know who those guys are. They okay. just got a hail of bullets. Yep. Larry comes home and he tries... Oh, that's why she didn't want him to come home because her boyfriend was there. Probably. Had nothing to do with yep. bringing the heat. Yep. Oh, well, she oh, was getting... Oh, no. You're getting shot. <laughs> I'm trying to eat out of here. <laughs> oh, my God. She was bringing the heat in the apartment. <laughs> so, apparently, he had... Um, he had come home and he had, was going to make a phone call and he, he hit redial by accident. And it redialed Levi's Plumbing. And he's like, why is my wife calling Levi's Plumbing? Somebody. I, I'm a contractor. I'm a construction <laughs> worker. I own a business. I can fix anything. Why is she calling them? So he got the address to Levi's Plumbing and he drove there. And as he arrived, he saw his wife's red Porsche. Oh. Oh, and he saw a truck pull up next to the Porsche and it was Joy and a man that Ayler knew named Jody Packer. Well, now remember uh, her, he was having an affair too. Correct. I mean, so I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but he, maybe it's karma coming back to get him. So I can't be pissed at Joy. No. And he, he is not, he can't be on a soapbox and be all mad Mm -hmm. about, listen, that's wrong what you did, even though he did it. Yep. But I'm sure it has. It sucks to see that, right? Mm-hmm. So he and, and he knows him. He's a plumbing contractor that's worked for him. So he's like, I, I know this guy. So he lean, So he sees Jody Packer, the plumbing contractor, lean over and kiss his wife. Wait, so the guy's name is Jody. Jody <laughs> Packer. Packer. How unfortunate. <laughs> Jody Packer. Yeah. And he's Holy a plumber. Fucking shit. And he's a plumber. Boy named Sue. Okay. I'm on. I'm on par. So Larry's like, I'm done. I'm moving out. I'm filing for divorce. I'm done with her. You know, this marriage obviously is just not meant to be. So McGowan reached out. Detective McGowan reached out to the Terrell police to get more information on the shooting. He wanted to read all the witness statements. And so the farm over was owned by a Jerry, a a man named Jerry. (laughs) Jerry H. (laughs) And their land, from how I read it, their land... There's a little bit of area kind of like overlapped a little bit, kind of weird. And so where this creek was, where the bridge was, where the truck was, was kind of common territory for these two farms. So Jerry said that he had saw a brown truck sitting in a pasture by the bridge that was parked for some time. So hold on. Let me ask a question. Is the bridge on the property or is it a road leading up to the property? It is a road leading up to the property, but this road is part of Larry Ayler's land. It's it's his land. Does it look like a private road? But it's a private road. Okay, yes. it's a private but road. But there's well, some... Texas, right? I mean, every right. fucking place is private. Yeah. They don't have public land. And we have guns, so be careful whose right. driveway you go into. And if you don't know that area and you pull down that road, you wouldn't know that it was a private road okay. until you realized you got to a, a so home. Got it. Like, How many times have we done that? Oh, shit. We're going to turn around. Sorry, oh, we're in your driveway. Firewood. <laughs> oh. Here's some beer. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> and so as, as Jerry was driving by to see this truck, he thought, oh, maybe that's someone I know. So he slowed down. But he did not recognize the two men that were that were in the truck. Right. He'd never seen them before. So was this the same day this or was previous? The same, okay, so this was right the same day. Right before the shooting. Okay. Oh. Okay. So after the shooting had taken place... Did the neighbor hear it? Was he around? Yes, he heard it. And then he went over to the farm and he saw a dozen 22 casings. That's it? Mm-hmm. A dozen from That's a 22. 22? Mm-hmm. He found about a dozen of them. So he collected them and put them in a bag. And he notified Terrell police, but they said, oh, we're not really interested. 22 bullets are really small. Yeah, it's very small. Like, it's a small caliber. But yeah. you take evidence to the police, and they're like, meh. It seemed odd that they sent him somewhere else. Like, that doesn't really make... They're mm-hmm. just like, meh. Thanks for your evidence, but we're not going to do anything with it. We're not worried. Well, and I'm sure the the shooters didn't touch them, so there's... Well, on the, there might be fingerprints on it from when they loaded it into the gun. Exactly. Well, parcels, anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. I mean, so that dumb, dumb, dumb. That's weird. So fast forward to the spring of 1987. How long so is that? So this is... Or Uno This is now f- almost four years since the murder. God damn. So four years has gone by, mm-hmm. and they still don't know who did the shooting. No. And I'm guessing that Ayler and his wife are divorced now. 
the alien's wife for numbers. Mm -hmm. She's with the Levi. So Detective McGowan received a lengthy letter from Roseanne's sister, Paula, asking, is this case ever going to be solved? You know, it's been some time. You have no new leads. I really want to know when you're going to find the killer because my sister died. And mm -hmm. I mean, I don't blame them. I would never stop. Me I would be in their face all the time. Just be solving it for them. So that night when Detective McGowan got home, he listened to a voicemail that he had from Larry stating he had received a message from a woman stating that if you want to know the riddle to Roseanne's death, I have the answer. Did he recognize the voice? So Detective McGowan. Riddle me this, riddle me that. <laughs> Detective McGowan. He goes over to Larry's house and he's like, let me hear the voicemail. Do you know the voice? Have you ever heard it before? And he said, no, but I know I could tell in her voice that something was wrong. Like, it seems legit. So McGowan said, well, let's not do anything. If it's legit, she'll call back because this is before caller ID. So you couldn't see you know, the number that it came from. No, or I mean, there's stuff. just, and it was a voicemail. So it wasn't like he could star 69 her right mm -hmm. and find out where it came from producers biting his lip <laughs> star 69 her <laughs> so nine okay. months nine months go by so now we're in the april april 24th of 1988 larry ayler gets a call on his phone and it was the voice he heard nine months previous and she said she was scared that the same guy that killed roseanne was going to kill her and his name was bill garland and the woman stated that she'd be calling back later in the evening to be by his phone so larry's like no problem so he hangs up and he calls detective mcgowan mm -hmm. he's like come to my house sit with me here until she calls me back and i have his name yes and so he's like you know what Whenever she calls back, tell her to give me a call because I want to talk to her directly. And when I read that, I was kind of like, that seems a little She's not going to talk dismissive. to you. Like, why yeah, don't you go over there and just wait with him? Like, what's the harm in that? I mean, it's been this long. Why can't you just go sit with the man mm -hmm. until, until she calls? So a few days go by because she doesn't call that evening. A few days go by. And does he give McGowan the name of Bill Garland? Do they do yeah, any he research? Gives them, yeah, he gives them all that information. So a few days later, Larry... Pages Detective McGowan saying that he got another call and that she's going to page him. So as they're talking, he's like, I'm getting a page. I'm going to call the number. So McGowan heads over to Larry's house. Larry's on the phone with this woman. and She's hysterical. And she's saying, the man I told you about, Bill Garland, he's going to kill me like he killed her, like he killed that nurse. And so about that time, McGowan arrives. He's listening to her rant and rant about how she's scared. And so McGowan interjects and he's like, this is who I am. And I can't help you if you don't come and sit and talk to me. Let's meet at a restaurant at midnight. Mm -hmm. And second, second, I'll... What the fuck, though? What the fuck? You know? What's with the cloak and dagger? Why can't yeah. you... Why can't... Calling some rando talking about, like, who's going to kill me? I'm going to the police. He, he's, she's talking yeah. to the police. No, but she keeps calling Ayler. Why doesn't she actually go to the police, yeah. is what Russell's saying. I'm You'll find sure. out. Put me in prison. Put me in fucking solitary until this gets figured out. It, wait, is McGowan involved? I don't know. We'll see. Okay. So McGowan arrives at the restaurant that they're going to meet at at midnight. Shortly after he gets there, Mercedes pulls up asking for McGowan. He's like, you know, that's me. She said, hello, my name is Carol Garland and asked, do you know who I am? He said, no. And she, do you want to guess who she is? Carol Garland. One of the, oh, is her husband one of the guys in the truck? No. She's one of the construction workers' wives? No. She She's is her sister? Joy Ayler's sister. Boom! Nice. I did not see that. So he, she says, I'm Joy Ayler's sister, and she is the person you're after. Joy is the one who planned the murder of the I nurse. I told you. Yes. Bum, bum, bum. I was right. So he asked Carol, but did you catch her last name? Oh. And she's saying Bill Garland. Is so it's her husband her. or her so, brother. So he asked Carol to. to... <laughs> so they're talking, right? And he's like, I want you to come down to the station. I want to get a witness statement. I want to get everything on. On camera, I want to get everything recorded. I don't want to do this uh, the wrong way, right? Because mm -hmm. this is what it is. I want to be able it's to gonna solve It's going to be used this. as hard evidence, and we need it documented. And I want to solve... Is like soft evidence, Yeah, it's say? called circumstantial. Yeah. There's so many things. You know, you got hard, soft, circumstantial. I just want to... <laughs> it's flaccid evidence, is that what this is? <laughs> so, they go down to the station... 
And Carol tells Detective McGowan that in early of 1986, Joy approached her stating a man is going to call you looking for a woman named Mary. And as soon as that happens, hang up and call me immediately. So Carol assumed most likely Joy was having an affair. So she didn't think too much about it. But later she found out that was a hitman named Bill Garland. And Bill and Carol started to spend many months together talking. Ooh, talking. Dangerous. Talking. Air quote right? talking. Oh. <laughs> so what was happening is she was like the middle woman, right? Between her sister Joy and the hitman Bill. So she would call Joy and say, okay, Bill wants to talk to you. And then she would call Bill and say, okay. So she kept doing this over and over? So she was this middle woman during this process, right? Well, because her and Bill would talk a lot, they started like flirting and having feelings for each other. It's so funny murdering cops. (laughs) So he starts confiding in her and he tells her that he was the one that did the nurse. That's, That's what he tells her. What a bad hitman. Like, if you're a good so hitman, dumb. no one's even going to know you're a hitman. Mm-mm. Like, no, you're a shadow. Like, you work at, you're a fucking girl. like, a chef. Like, you are, like, a waiter. Like, no one you would don't ever even suspect. Meet, and you don't even meet with the person that no. that's hiring you. You have a, a goat that does that for you. Uh, yeah. Uh, goat works. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> what? I think I missed that. What? No, you know, like a goat. Like, not only, like, an actual goat, but. The intermediary. Yes. The, uh, I just. Why Nothing. did you say goat? Because, like, it's kind of a word for you. It's That would be a mule. A mule. That's what yeah. I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's my goat. This is my, this is my goat goat. <laughs> no wonder it made no fucking sense to me. I'm like, where did goats come you were from? trying to move on, too. You were like, oh, okay. Okay, that's not what I meant. Let's just keep rolling. So, so detective, if you're a really good hitman, then you have a goat. <laughs> no, that's a bad hitman. Good goats have mules. Good goats have mules. <laughs> what the fuck is happening here? There's a breakdown. I've only had one beer. How is this possible? <laughs> anyway, so McGowan starts asking her, "Okay, well, can you give me some details of the crime? Because I want to make sure whatever he told you is true." So how were they able to get into the house? She said, oh, they pretended to be a utility man and she let them in. And so she was standing up and she was pacing. She was very scared. She kept looking out the window, opening the door to see if anybody was coming in. And she kept asking him, will you please protect me against Bill? Because he knew I was going to do this at some point. He knew I was getting scared and I'm afraid that he's going to blackmail me. McCown's like, please tell me on what you? would he blackmail you for, pray tell. So Carol started... I've been the goat for three months. <laughs> He's the mule. I'm the goat. <laughs> so Carol starts going into a story about how Bill needed money a couple months before. He was going to mess with Joy in a way that she would receive items or get phone calls about her involvement with Roseanne. So that she would be like, oh my God, somebody knows that I'm involved. So that she would go back to Bill and be like, hey, I need you to kill this person. I think this person Oh, and so he could get more money. Exactly. So he would keep killing these invisible people that weren't actually real. So he was like, okay, well, maybe what I'll do is... It's pretty elaborate. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to get a P.O. box. And I'm going to... Roseanne put her name on the outside. And I'm going to send a letter to Joy that says, go to this P.O. box. I have a surprise for you. When she gets there, it's going to have her name on it. And then inside is going to have something else with a name, a fake name. It's a she's lot gonna of call work. Me. Yeah, she's going to call me and I'll be like, give me 5K. I'll, I'll knock them off. And then I'll stop sending letters and she'll think, oh, good job. And that's five grand in my pocket. Mm-mm. That's really dumb. And so as she's saying this, she said, well, and then Bill would also make it so that Joy would know that someone also found out. That she was trying to get Larry killed. Oh, she was. And Detective McGowan's like, hold on a second. So, did you say that Joy wanted her husband killed? Mm -hmm. And Carol's like, uh, yeah. Anyways, and goes back to the story, and he's like, this is a lot of information I was not expecting. (laughs) So Bill goes through the motions. He sends the letters. He starts antagonizing Joy, and she's so scared that they someone knows about her involvement with Roseanne and her involvement with trying to get Larry killed. That she's just funneling him money. Constantly. Almost 25 grand she's given him in like nine months. Wow. So his plan worked. Yes. So her the last thing she got was a letter that said, Can I borrow 25000 from you? And I would love to see you and your son. Can they come visit me? Signed Roseanne. And that letter was like the tipping point for Joy. So she called Carol and she's like, You have to do something with Bill. 
because I don't think he's actually getting rid of all these people. I'm very worried that I'm going to get found out and I can't go to jail. So Joy calls Bill and and was really worried. So he says, okay, well, if you don't think I can do the job, why don't you call this guy named Carl I know? She calls Carl and he's like, I don't feel comfortable doing any, any of this. Which Bill set up all along, right? Yep, He's like, up. okay, well, I'll refer you to this guy, Carl. And he told Carl, if this girl Mary calls, blow it off. anything she asks you to do, say you're not going to do that. Because he wants her to think he's the only one that can handle mm-hmm. her business. So that she's like indebted to him. This goes on for some time. They go back and forth. So long story short. Ooh, long past that <laughs> they, they basically start, they just, they're going against each other. Okay. So Carol said that Bill forced her to marry him so that he could not ever testify against him or turn him in for all the things that he had done, which is why her name is Carol Garland. So she did marry him. Okay. So at this point, McGowan writes up everything that Carol's told him. So basically, Carol's married to Bill. Bill's been lying about these people to Joy, but apparently he's the one that killed Roseanne for Joy and attempted to kill Larry or had the works in place for Larry to also be killed. So McGowan takes all this information to the captain and breaks on her testimony and tries to verify the insurance. Insurance. No. <laughs> I'm working. You went to work. You went to work while you were talking <laughs> to break down her testimony and verify all the information was correct. So they call her and say, "We need you to come back in for a second interview." She says, "I'm scared to come in because Bill is going to know that I'm there because I've been gone a lot and he watches my every move. He'll know I'm too scared." And Joy's been on him about how she gave him a lot of money. To get rid of her husband and they've made multiple attempts and he's still alive. She wants her money back or she wants the job done. But Bill, I'm stuck in the middle. I want out and I'm afraid to go back to you. So Mm -hmm. she hangs up the phone. She just shows up at the police station. And so McGowan's like, I need to know how exactly you met Bill. I need to know where this started. I need to know how he developed his character with you because that will tell me where he's been and who else he may know. Carol explains to him that Joy had told her about the whole thing about if you get a call... Um, from to call Mary, call me, you know, that's mm-hmm. how it started. So Joy had asked Carol to drop off an envelope. So she gave her the envelope and she left and the envelope had $3,000 in it. Whenever Carol arrived to her house, her phone rang and it was Bill. Of course, she didn't know who Bill was at this point. She had only made one or two calls in the beginning. Mm-hmm. He started to describe her clothing and he's like, I saw you go into this apartment. I know who you are. I saw you with money. So she gets really scared. And that is creepy. So the calls start coming more frequently. She said that the calls went on for months and she started to become used to him, them in a way. Like he liked that she got scared. So she would kind of let him know she was scared. But then sometimes she would pretend she was more scared because it like turned him on and it was oh, very weird. God. Very masochistic. Yeah. So she said he kind of forced his way into her life, forced her to marry him so that, you know, she couldn't talk against him. And then after marriage, he told her every single crime he had ever done while sitting with her on the bed at gunpoint. Because he told her, I want you to know everything I did. He's, he's like the fucking bad guy from James Bond. Like, no I shit, man. Now, but first, I'll tell you everything. And one interesting thing is he said that he had killed another nurse previous to Roseanne. And he had killed, shot her and killed her. And threw the gun and her in Lake Levon. What? I knew there yeah. Damn. A lot of problems get solved in that swamp. Oh, swam in there. So for over a, over a year, she lives in absolute fear of being killed at any time by him. On April 19th of 1988, she started recording, Carol started recording conversations between her and Bill and then also Bill with anyone that he called on the phone in the house. So she tapped the phone. Yes. She heard one of the conversations that she had heard that was taped. Bill was talking about getting rid of Carol. And she was like, oh my God, I'm so scared. She confronted him and there was a struggle and she tried to call 911 and he pulled the phone out of the wall. So a policeman arrived and arrested him, which led us to how she was able to even come forward. That's why there was such a long gap between the first call. she waited for him. He went to jail and then she felt safe. Yes, so that's why talking she, to them. Exactly. So it took all this time for her. That's why it took so long for her to come forward. So they said, okay, well, we want you to call Joy and we want you to talk to her and see if maybe she'll come clean about some of this stuff. Carol called Joy. She's like, oh, I'm really busy. I'll call you back later. Uh, but she never called her back. Carol calls her again and says, hey, can we have dinner? Can we meet up? She's like, okay, that's fine. They meet up at a diner and they start talking. And of course, this they tried to bug the diner. <laughs> 
<laughs> and they put one like on a salt shaker. It's just some Barney <laughs> Five shit. Seriously. They bugged this place awful. She's eating with her. The detectives are in, you know, the van outside, right? And they hear like and they cannot hear what's going on. One of the rookies is like, oh, I thought the salt shaker would be a great place because it's right underneath them. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you seriously put it on a salt shaker? He's like, well, I put the other one on the ketchup bottle. And so you hear like a guy like clink, 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 like trying to get, th- it was awful. So that is some Barney Five shit. At some point during the conversation, Joy starts to feel like, why did Carol bring me to a public place and ask me these questions that she's never felt okay to ask me? Why are we in a public place? And why is she asking me these questions mm-hmm. now? Definitely I... suspicious. And so she asks her, are you wearing a wire? She's like, no. She's like, well, let's go to the bathroom and you take your shirt off. She's like, I'm not doing that. She's like, then I'm done with this conversation. And she leaves. So McGowan goes back to the station. He's so mad. He's trying to listen. He's like, I can't even barely put together anything. I can't tell who, who is talking. Mm-mm. And then <laughs> the, even better, they put more bugs on tables that they weren't even sitting at. So because they, they weren't sure where they were going to sit, right? Well, yes. But they had told they had told the waiter and the waitress, when this woman comes in, put her as far away as possible and they put more mics over in this booth, which is where she sat. But there were other booths they put mics at too. So the problem is they have all these recordings and they're trying to distinguish who is Joy and Carol and who is a stranger. And then when, just like when we do the podcast, you can hear me on your mic. Mm-hmm. So while they're listening to Carol and Joy, they can also hear this <laughs> other person. And it's just, why hey, would they bug other tables? Button, they're going to take it off next week. <laughs> I guess they My thought nubbins. they would, whatever they didn't get at their table, if they got one next to it, maybe they could get a better, I don't know. Damn this, it just, so what they, a favor. they did get some that Joy did admit her guilt for sure. I mean, she admitted that she was part of it and that she wanted Larry dead and that she wanted Roseanne dead. They couldn't prove a hundred percent in these recordings that it was just Joy and Carol, that it wasn't somebody else talking mm. when they said yes, or, well, I know I did that. I mean, it could have been anyone that said that because it wasn't, oh yes, Carol, I understand. I, you know, there was mm-hmm. no proof that it was her. So McGowan is 100% sure that Joy has, that Joy was the mastermind in Roseanne's death and attempted Larry's death, the shooting at the farm. So, yep. Cool. I figured that. So after doing some research on Bill Garland, McGowan finds two names, Carl Noska, which is the Carl that he had mm-hmm. referred to, and a Morgan Holmes, who were men that had passed in assaults, battery, possessions, charges, that they could possibly maybe have done the dirty work for Bill or maybe done previous jobs for Bill. They were guys with rap Yes. Yep. So meantime, while they're looking into these other men, they have Carol in protective custody, awesome. and they're constantly moving her around hotels because they do not want their one shining witness and person Mm -hmm. that has led him here to be killed by this bill garland so they are she's staying somewhere for two or three days and she's moving well it doesn't sound like he's a very smart hit man so she's probably fairly safe so in may of 1988 which is five years after the murder McGowan met with ada kevin chapman and he said i feel we have more than enough evidence to arrest joy And he gives the approval for an arrest warrant. So they arrest her. They take her to the station. And she acts like she has no idea why she's there. (laughs) She's like, did I not pay a parking ticket? Am I behind on my taxes? Why am I here? They tell her what they've heard. And they play some of the tapes. And she's like, I don't know Bill Garland. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Bitch, it's going to be on your phone records. Then they play the conversation. Or they play the tape of Carol saying that Joy's involved and she loses her shit. And I was thinking, how would I feel? Like, how would you feel if, like, you confided in me that you were going to kill your husband or have your husband killed and his previous mistress, and then I go to the cops and you think you're scot-free because you're like, I only told my sister who I would, who I could trust my life with. And then you're sitting there in the police station yeah. and my voice is there and I'm I like, be pissed. Carrie totally said she was going to kill Someone. What's his Jesus name? Jesus McGillicuddy. What, what's the guy you like? Jake Mo- Momoa? Jason Momoa? No, yeah. don't kill him. I would be pissed and hurt. Right? That's a little murderous. Yeah, oh, I wouldn't want to kill you, but I would be very pissed off. Right. I don't blame you. I'd be pissed mm-hmm. too. So because she- she's also involved. Whether she wants... She allowed it. If you came to me and said, this, you're going to take this phone call, I'd be like, well, who is... Why am I Mary? Who's calling? 
I would be asking you so many questions and probably try to talk you out of it. I would want to know what's going on. Why why the secrecy? Why can't you just get a burner phone? Or why did, why does that have to be me? Why are you mm-hmm. choosing me? I mean, I think that's a really shitty thing to do to your sister. Yeah, it's a You're shit- putting her in the middle without even giving her all the information. But Carol let it happen. So, but I would still be pissed. Joy says, well, my sister's crazy. She made all that up. She asked, how can I get out of here? What will allow me to leave? And they're like, well, you have to get a bondsman um, or an attorney. She's like, okay, can you bring me a phone book so I can do that? Oh my God. She's one of those. Yep. So McGowan explained that we need a statement that will either show that you're innocent or that you're guilty, but Which we no. can't just let you leave. They mm-hmm. don't. They don't no. need anything. No, but they, they, they want something. Because right? you'd be like, hey, listen, fuck off. Give me my phone call to you later. Mm-hmm. And they're like, there was an arrest warrant. So we had to go take you and put you behind bars. You can't just leave. And she's like, so like, I have to stay here? They're like, that's what it means to be arrested. <laughs> okay. You I'll had a warrant stay. for your arrest with the involvement of Roseanne's murder and the attempted mur- murder of your ex-husband. You don't get to go home. She's like, I really don't understand. Like, what did I do? Oh, my gosh. What's going on? It's, <laughs> so if they go through all the charges that are against her, if she's found guilty... Then she gets for the rest of her life for murder. She's like, oh, can I have a lawyer? <laughs> like, I get it now. Ding. Oh, okay. Yeah, I need my lawyer. So she calls a lawyer. Did they bring her the phone book? They did. They say, well, it's going to be a $6,000 retainer. Thank you. And she's like, Ugh, I don't want to pay that. And they're like, well, you don't have a choice. She's like, okay, I'll just write them the check. And then when I get out, I'll just stop payment because they don't deserve my money. Okay. Like, that's really not how it works, Mm -hmm. but okay. So as she's sitting there getting out her pocketbook waiting for her lawyer. Her pocketbook. She starts starts talking about how Roseanne single-handedly ruined her life. And she said, Larry bought her a mink coat. And while he bought that bitch mink coats and walked around the town looking all great, I got $20 a week. The wife. But the mistress gets a mink coat. Oh, and that shit. One time she was at the mall, Richardson Square Mall. She saw Larry out with Roseanne, and Roseanne was wearing a mink coat. And she said, and that's when I decided that I would call somebody to kill her. Because not only was she messing with my husband, but she was taking the money that I deserved as his wife. Mm. Scorned. So they keep trying to get more information from her. She and doesn't realize like, that she should just shut the fuck up. No. Well, wait till you hear this, okay? Oh. My God. So she's like, you know, I would really like to tell y'all everything, but I'm really uncomfortable. So if you just let me go home and have a sandwich and put on my comfortable clothes. <laughs> I just need my Starbucks and some sweatpants yeah. and I can tell you everything. We can sit around my coffee table, have some coffee, and I'll tell you everything. Then I'll be in Mexico getting a fucking donkey show. <laughs> and they're like, yeah doesn't work that way you stupid let's go girl. see if we can do that because we respect you and we feel like you're an honest woman so let's go see if we can get that done so they go and ask hey can we just like let her go and like we'll just go over there later she'll let us in and like we'll just talk about it and she'll tell us what happened Holy are you and kidding so me while they go do that they go back in while they're waiting for their answer and she says i can't believe that carol came to you guys because she was going to get Fifty thousand of Larry's life insurance. That was part of the deal. She was going to get a portion of Larry's. But Carol is not as money hungry as Joy is. Clearly, but does it matter? Carol was going to get a portion of Larry's life insurance for her involvement. Some fucking hush money, mm-hmm. right? Joy's lawyer arrives, and they made the detectives leave. Yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, listen, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. The what the fuck have you said? <laughs> Two Utes. <laughs> Two Utes. Uh, what is a Ute? Joy, she pays the lawyer. They're like, bye, we'll be by your house later. See you later. Bye. We'll be over later for sandwiches. And they leave. Detective McGowan, up until this point, I've respected him a lot. I'm like, wow, he has really done whatever he can. Then he lets this five-year murder bitch leave to her home. But I'm sure they followed her, right? Didn't they, didn't they like, no? He thinks he's done a great job. He's like, this is great. I'm going to go over there later. And I'm going to get He really believed her? Yeah. I thought he was just being sarcastic no. with her and like, no. let's go follow her. She's going to, like, the phone is still bugged. We're going to get all we need from her. Let's let her do this. She's falling into our trap. No way, really. They let her go. So, Detective well, McGow- they have they have to if she paid her lawyer fee and all that, right? I mean, she does post bond, but she didn't. they didn't book her. They didn't put her in the jail. I mean, it goes through the whole process. They let her sit in interrogation 
till her lawyer got there and let her leave. Okay. They didn't really follow the right protocols. They let her go through it a little bit easier. And had they made her be booked and waited and everything, they would have had enough evidence because they would have already had a search warrant for the house. They would have got what they needed Mm -hmm. and she would have never been able to to bond out. Or go home and clean up the evidence. Exactly. So Detective Golden, who is the head detective of the department, walks over and he's like, so McGowan, how's it going? He's like, oh, it's great. I'm just getting my stuff together because I'm going to go over to Joy's later. And he's like, hold on a second. Why isn't she back in the cell? Um, he's like, oh, I thought you knew. We, we, we have a coffee talk later. And he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> so he's like, APB, APB, follow her to her house. Mm-hmm. Don't let her in the house. If she gets in the house before you get there, don't let her touch anything. And he's like, what I do? Oh, my God. What's How long problem? has this guy been a detective? I don't even know. Why are you so mad at me, Bob? <laughs> he's like, what I do? You do realize she's going to go to the house and destroy all the evidence. Yes. And she's going to burn everything. She's going to, any money she may have, she's going to take to offshore. Like, are you that stupid? And he's like, oh, sorry, boss. So is she really pretty or something? Uh, she's pretty, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, I'll post pictures. She's pretty. Maybe that's why he was just like in love with her or selling under a smith. <laughs> Detective Golden calls the DA and he's like, we need a search warrant for her house ASAP. Mm-hmm. Like we need it to go into effect now. We cannot let her in there to do anything. We were trying to buy our time with a search warrant while Detective McGowan was supposed to keep her ass interrogation. So McGowan races to the house, instructed by Golden to not let anyone in or out the house. And he arrives and he tells Joy, you got to get out. And she's like, oh, Joy. so she was already there. She just arrived. Okay, good. And she still had her handbag. So she wasn't in the house yet. She had just gotten in the house. He's like, I'm sorry, you have to get out. She's like, what, you don't trust me? I haven't even been home long enough to make sandwiches. And now you want to be upset with me? And he's like, I'm following the protocols. Oh, now you want to Mm -hmm. follow the protocols? She's like, well, I can't have y'all out here. All the neighbors are going to start talking. So can y'all park your cruisers out back? He's like, oh, yeah, we'll do that right away. The whole neighborhood needs to know there's a psychopath. You yes. need to know that there's a crazy loony woman putting hits on people. It starts to become night and they're still waiting on the warrant to arrive. So the cops can't leave. Mm-hmm. She can't go about her business. She can though, technically speaking. I mean, she can, she but can. she's scared. Well, she can't go about getting rid of evidence, but right. she can go about and make sandwiches and coffie. Yeah. yeah. I'd be like, bitch, where's my Get dinner? yourself in there and make me a sandwich. Until you show up with that piece of paper, you can fuck off. So while they're waiting, she receives two calls. And she answers, doesn't say a lot, and hangs up. Both phone calls were Bill. McGowan doesn't know that at this time, but they were. At one point, she takes the call into the bedroom. Joy tells Bill, I'm not going to give you up, but I'm not going to go to prison. And if giving you up means not going to prison, I'm going to give you up. Sorry. I don't want to go to jail. So then don't say you're not going to give him up because you will if it means you don't go to jail or prison. So after the conversation... <laughs> we just got Rick rolled, everybody. So Joy calls McGowan into her room after the last call, and she's like, "Look, I don't want to go to prison. So, like, what can I do without giving up Bill and not go to prison?" And he's like, "Look, I can't guarantee you that." She's like, "Okay, what if I give you Bill? Can you guarantee that I'll tell you everything as long as I don't have to go to jail? Because you really don't want me. You want Bill. He's the trigger man, right? You want him." And he's like, look, I can't make you the mastermind. Exactly. He's like, I give you Bill, and I'm never going down. (laughs) He's like, I can't guarantee anything. That's that's up to the DA. I I can't make that choice. So now he's actually trying to be a good detective again. Is this guy like bipolar? So they waited at the home till almost midnight, and still no search warrant has arrived. Joy allowed the plainclothes officers to stay and she felt safe at this point. Now she's glad they're there because Bill knows that the police are at her house. They can't let her destroy anything until the search warrant gets there. So they have to keep eyes on her. So they got very lucky because they were trying to figure out how we're going to get Bill because he's tipped off now. Mm -hmm. Well, what Bill didn't know that the cops knew was that he was due in divorce court the next day that Carol had filed for divorce, you know, mm-hmm. a while ago. They're able to apprehend him at the jail or at the court. So they just show up at thinks, the courthouse. Oh, well, divorce court's different. They won't know I'm there. Mm-hmm. They know he's there. So they apprehend him there. They take him in and he's like, no. Put your hands up. The <laughs> court is now. So they, they tell Bill the stories that Carol has said. He's like, absolutely not. I swear on my life. That my life went to hell when Carol entered my life. I'm not the crazy one here. Carol's the crazy one. So. I mean, you know, I did it and everything, but she's crazy, man. 
when they apprehended him, they didn't tell him initially why they were getting him. They told him he had an unpaid parking ticket. And then they got him in the room and they tried to okay. get him talking. And they said, we will have to release you if we don't get any evidence against you, but we just need to know what's going on. So they try to be your friend and shit. Yeah. He's like, look, I don't know anything. This is what I know about Carol. She's crazy. Anything she told you, she made up. What evidence do you have on me? And like, well, we just have this and this. We have hearsay. He's like, well, you don't have any hard evidence. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. leaving. I'm not going to leave. He knows the law. Evidence. I'm out of here. <laughs> so he takes, he leaves and he moves to Sulphur Springs. Fuck. Yeah. He doesn't leave the state. But he leaves the city. Some time goes by. I guess because they don't have evidence on it. They just don't. They don't have any. It's all hearsay. And we have three different stories. We have this Carol's version. We have Joy's version. And we have Bill's version. And all three of them are part of it. But there's no hard evidence. There's no fingerprints. There's no DNA. There's nothing proving that any three of them are truly a part of this murder. It could all be a bunch of lies. Refresh my memory. Did they get any evidence or DNA off of Roseanne? No. Or not even the pantyhose or anything? Nothing? Okay. Mm -mm. So Carol continues to check in with the detectives. And Joy's just living her life. Like, nothing happened. I mean, they searched her house. They didn't find anything. They have no evidence on any of them. They have no leads. They're back to square one. What they... The momentum they were going up to has now completely plummeted. They have... They know who's involved, but they have nothing to prove it. Yeah. So McGowan... Reaches out to Bill Garland's new roommate in Sulphur Springs. And his name is Billy Ray Newsom. Billy Ray. And he... Ricky Darrell? He... Ricky Bobby? Agrees to meet with McGowan and have lunch. And he verifies what Bill has said. He says Bill's not crazy or murderer, but Carol is crazy. He said that Carol found out that Larry, Ayler, was messing around with her younger sister. Elizabeth, the youngest one. Not... Not Joy, right? Mm -hmm. The younger one. And that Elizabeth was going to use it to blackmail Joy and tell their dad what happened. But would keep quiet for the right price. Because her dad would be upset if she knew she stayed with a man that slept with his daughter. Yes, of course. How fucked up is that? So they're all money hungry. All three of them. It's all money, 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 money. Like... Birds and flock together, so do pigs and swine. (laughs) Like, what would you do? Like, if... Okay. If I came to you and I was like, hey... I'm the youngest sister, right? Mm-hmm. If I came to you and I was like, I just want to let you know. You're Chrissy, banging the sound guy. Chris, <laughs> Chrissy's husband slept with me. We're, we're having an affair. Mm-hmm. I will go tell dad. If you don't convince her to give me some money, I'm going to go tell dad. Because, I would just go tell dad. Because dad is going to kill him. I just go tell dad. Right? I just yeah, take away your ammo. Yeah. Salt no. the earth. Or just say, <laughs> no. why don't you just go tell dad yourself? I'm not going to do it. Actually... We should go tell Chrissy's husband, if that's the case. Right. Because we're normal. Yeah. Like, we have normal minds, we, right? We would go tell Chrissy and talk to her about it. Yeah. So, Billy Ray. Cyrus. <laughs> he recounts how he met Bill Garland. And he said when they met, everything was normal. They were great friends. And then whenever Bill Garland met Carol, um, that she was the one aggressing him. That Wait she... a second. I thought this was when he moved to Sulphur Springs, which was after all this happened. Right, but... Um, so okay. he's just repeating what Bill told him. Right. He, okay. Billy Ray is telling McGowan how he met Bill Garland and how his relationship with Bill has changed and who Bill was whenever he met Carol. Okay. So... But this isn't by... He doesn't know this because he was around. He's just repeating what he heard because he correct. doesn't know how Bill was before. That's correct. So he's just repeating it. So it's not like he did actually know him. No. Okay. Billy Ray says that whenever Bill and Carol met, things were fine in the beginning, but that she was the aggressor and that the night that the 911 call was made and the phone was ripped out of the wall and he and Bill Garland was arrested, Bill told Billy Ray that when she said that he tried to kill her, Bill Garland had reached out to someone to try and have Carol killed okay, or to get away from him because he was done with her. He was tired of her shit. She was crazy. And whenever she confronted him about it, he told her the truth. So she attacked him. And she was like, how dare you, you know, obviously want me gone and Mm -hmm. want me killed. He said 
everything that she said about herself was a lie. That Bill Garland never met her family. And so McGowan became angry and he's like, I think you're lying to me because this contradicts everything that I have. He said, I know that Bill called Joy that night that he was arrested. I don't, I don't think you're telling me the truth. I think that you're just BSing me. Well, either. he didn't want to believe. He sees Carol as this really frail mm-hmm. victim and he doesn't want to see it any other way. Right. But we know that if Joy is crazy and Elizabeth is crazy, then Carol's got to be crazy too. Yes. With this information, in July, which was two months later, McGowan reaches out to Bill Garland. And he's like, look, let's just have a sit down. Let's just talk through this. I have some evidence I want to show you. If you're innocent, you will come and you will listen and you will prove your point. He's mm-hmm. like, fine. He goes in. They meet. Bill tells McGowan again how it's all Carol. She's the aggressor. And so McGowan takes a chance and he's like, I'm going to be, I'm going to pretend like the bad cop, which I haven't done. So he talks to him the way he talked to Billy Ray because he saw Billy Ray kind of taken aback by Mm -hmm. how he reacted. So he tells him, you're lying. I know what you did. We have evidence on you. You need to just come clean. Well, it worked. So Bill bows his head and he's like, you're right. I'll tell you everything. So he said Sounds like McGowan gets very lucky. Carl Noska which is the mm-hmm. Carl before, he approached Bill and said, I have a friend who wants someone followed. And Bill's like, okay, have them call me. So a few days later, he heard from a woman named Mary stating she wanted someone taken care of. He told her he would look into it. It would cost five grand, half up front and half on the day. Five grand is how much a life is. Hmm. $5,000. So two days later, Carl arrived at work with $2,500 in an envelope. He passed it along to Bill Garland, who he gave it to a friend named Brian, who is in the business of killing people. Okay. And a week later, Brian calls Bill and says, job is done. So he notified Carl and Mary. And Mary calls. He says, just want to let you know it's taken care of. He gave Mary his P.O. box to get the rest of the money. And the next day, Carl arrives with the envelope with the other $2,500, stating, I kept $500 for me. Because he was the go-between. Yeah. And he gave the rest 2000 to Brian. And she also sent him another $500 the next week with a thank you note. So this was like for Roseanne's tip. death, right? This was... Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. This was for Roseanne's death. So Brian is the one that killed Roseanne. Well, we don't know if it's Brian. This is what he's saying. This is Well, he's saying that he said he was taken care of. So whether it was him or someone else, we don't know. So early the next year, Bill heard from her again saying... She wanted someone in Dallas oft and had five more people after that. And Bill said, okay, but the price is $10,000. She's like, no problem. I I got it. No problem. So two days later, he received $5,000 by mail and he started working with her directly and cut Carl out because he wanted to keep the profit. Mm -hmm. And in the envelope was a picture of Larry Ayler and all the list of places that he would frequent. And so he went back to Brian, the previous guy. Two weeks go by and he contacted Brian. He didn't hear from him. And Brian's like, um, the guy that I was going to have do it, he was killed by the by the police in Houston. And I used the $2,500 you gave me to find him. So I don't have your money and the job's not done. And what are you going like, to do? Go to the cops? He's like, what the f- Oh my God. <laughs> so when Mary called Bill, Bill explained the situation and she was like, man, it's all right. Just forget about it. Just forget about the whole thing. Don't worry about it. I don't want money back. Let's just call it even. my mind. Let's just pretend like it didn't happen. Forget about it. So he doesn't hear from Mary for some months. And then she called back and said, actually, I do. He contacts his person back and some weeks go by. She calls and she's like, "Your the job's still not done. He's still around. Mm-hmm. What's going on? The last time that Mary had called, he had tried to reach out to Brian to find out what was going on with the situation. And Brian's like, oh, I didn't have time. I contacted these two brothers to go out and do the job. But they were drunk and they only took 122. <laughs> Are those the guys that were on the road? <laughs> those were the guys that... In the truck. That shot him in the elbow. And, <laughs> and took 22. Took 122. I told you those bullets are small. I mean, they're like this big and they're really skinny. And they only took one. And there's two... Yeah. They were drunk. And they were drunk, yeah. That's hilarious. That doesn't say nothing about Texas at all. No shit. 
But Bill did confirm the story. Joy had said that Carol was going to get the 15000 of Larry's money. So they decided to release Bill on the journey to find the shooter. Because they're like, Bill's given us all the tools we need. Even at worst, let's say he's an accomplice. If he can find us the killer at this point and send us the right direction, we'll give him immunity. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the guy's been through a it lot. It seems like he's the only one so far that's really been honest. And get, Yeah, given the true story. So McGowan and the detectives find a man named Joe Thomas. They bring him in for his version of events. And in the spring of 1986, Bill Garland had asked him if he'd be interested in taking care of a man who had been sexually abusing his young daughter. Oh, shit. Well, wait, what that And he's like, I'll get rid of a baby raper. Yeah, I mean. I have no problem. But if I can't do it, I know these two brothers named Buster and Gary Matthews. So Joe Thomas approached these two brothers and said, I'll give you $2,500 if you'll do this. They're like, sure, why not? We'll just shoot him. It's okay. If he's a baby raper, it's okay. But he wasn't a baby raper. I was going to say. They just did that so that they would feel okay and justified to kill this man. Well, it wouldn't ask too many questions. So they gave him a map of the farm, $2,500, and a picture of Larry and the picture of his Suburban, which is what he was driving and what he was in whenever they were shot. So they interview Brian Creefel is his name. And he confirmed all the stories were correct. And he said, I didn't shoot anyone. I just passed money. I was just a money man. So a lot of... A lot of a lot of investigations going around with lots of people. Mm-hmm. It goes on for some time. So in September of 1988, Joy is indicted for conspiracy to commit murder and solicitation to commit murder. She makes bond of $150,000. She then disappears and she's nowhere to be found. She stays missing until 1990. Wow. She had been in the French villa in France. And wow. She was in a minor fender bender going by the name of Liz Sharp. And she was using a credit card with this name on it. And because there are accidents, they do their fingerprints. Anytime there's an accident, her fingerprints hit that she was under international arrest. And her name was Joy Ayler. France receives her warrant and they put her in a holding cell until the, I guess the embassy sends her back. I don't know how that works. Mm-hmm. So while she's in there, she finds a one-inch razor blade. She slashes both of her wrists because France is not for the death penalty, and they would not allow an extradition as long as the death penalty was on. So she would have just stayed in jail in France. So she knew France was not going to make her leave because mm-hmm. France is on a group of death death penalty, and they'll mm-hmm. say no, no, no. She can't. We're not sending her back. Just she didn't want her. She didn't want to die in prison because she's still young. So she thought, well, I'm gonna, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die here. I'm not going to go to America and die there. I'm dying on my own terms. Exactly. Take me back to Queens and kill me. (laughs) So in order for them to agree, because she survives the slashing. Well, I was going to say she probably didn't do it right. No. Yeah, you slice up the arm, goddammit, if you want to do it right. So get this. Dallas has to drop the death penalty in order for them to agree to send her back. You know, we're just going to pick it back up when she gets here. I know, but how fucked up is that? Like, if this is our rules, then France should be like, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter how you feel. But France is like that. They're like... That's fucked up. Okay, well, okay, we won't kill her. Just send her back. Why should we have to change our rule for you to follow our rules? Well, we should have just left her ass there. At least she's in jail. She's not going anywhere. Yeah. So she's flown back to Dallas for murder. And her trial started August of 1994. And we reinstated the death penalty the very next day, right? No. <laughs> we had we had to leave it off the table. We couldn't. Well, agreement. Yeah, we can't put it back on. Okay. So she is found guilty with a life sentence of 30 years and 15 Excuse years me, probation. A life sentence of 30 years? <laughs> a life sentence plus 30 years. Oh, okay. It's a lot of life. Yep. And then Bill Garland and Brian Creeful, convicted of conspiracy and solicitation. Joe Thomas and the Drunk Brothers were indicted for conspiracy charges. And the detectives continue all the investigations going through many people. And they find a man named Andy Hopper. What about Carol? I'll get there. Okay. So Andy Hopper confesses to the murder. He is the one who actually killed Roseanne. So on October 4th of 1983, he says, I was high on meth for four days and I stole a 25 semi-automatic from his friend's apartment. He drove to a nearby mall and stole license plates off a random car. Then he went to the residential street and switched plates onto his vehicle that he had stolen. He stopped by a Safeway where he bought cotton rope, surgical gloves, you know, the serial killer kit. Yep. Then he stopped at a florist and bought some potted plants. He rang the doorbell and said he was a flower delivery man and that he had these flowers for her. 
So she opened the screen door and he shoved his way into the house. He pointed the gun towards her wearing the gloves. He told her to keep her mouth shut. He grabbed her arm and pulled her down the hallway, only stopping to close her son's door because he was in there asleep. They reached her room. He demanded for her to take off her clothes and get on the bed. He told her to get on the bed and lie on her stomach. He then tied her up to all four corners of the bedposts and she was crying and of course, obviously very upset. Yep. So he went into the bathroom and he took some facial tissue and grabbed some colored tissue from the closet. So I think it was a mixture of orange, like tissue paper, like you put in gifts and then like Kleenex to put in her mouth and he shoved them down her throat. While she was asking, why are you doing this? He stopped for about five minutes and just looked and savored the moment of the control that he had over her. What a twisted fuck. He got on top of the bed, standing over her. He was fondling her and touching her. Penetrated her a few times, then ejaculated in his hand. Then went into the bathroom and washed himself and his hands off, only to return and do it a few more times. He took a belt off of a dress that she had in her closet placed it around her neck and began choking her. That's when she started to really fight back and started thrashing around and she broke free from her left hand and the belt started to slip off and she had started to gain control. So he grabbed a pair of pantyhose, wrapped it around her, started to choke her and then grabbed his gun from the nightstand, put a pillow against her head and shot her twice. When she went limp, he ran from the house, of course, leaving the child where he Mm -hmm. was, thank God. He ran and got into the car. The police believe at this point her body began to convulse, which is why the pillow fell off of her and she was hanging off the bed and she was she vomited the tissue that was in her throat, which is why they saw that on the ground. And then he drove the car to a nearby car wash, tossed the gloves and removed the stolen plates, uh, threw them away and replaced them back to his own plates. Then he went into the glove compartment and found the directions and photo Brian had given him to make sure it was the right person. He did that after? Yeah. He, what if it had been the wrong person? Gosh. He tore him into small pieces. Mind. And then he put him out the window as he drove by. Then he took the gun back to his friend's apartment. Like that friend that he took mm. the gun from had no idea that he took it and used it to kill someone. Um, yeah. So after he gave his confession to Detective McGowan, McGowan was like, can you hold for a second? And he went back to the photos from the crime scene. And he's like, the fucking plants. The plants were sitting right next to the door. Like when you walked in, they were broken right there. And they just assumed that they were her plants and they had been knocked over in the commotion. They never thought. And he's like, if they'd gone to the nearest nursery or florist, they would have had on camera this man buying those flowers. And his fingerprints were probably on there because he probably didn't have the gloves on yet. Exactly. So he goes to trial and he is found guilty of capital murder. And the motherfucker was killed in 2005 by lethal injection. Good. And that's all I have. That is crazy. All that crazy shit. That shit happened like where we live. The scariest part for me when I was reading it was thinking there was at least 18 to 20 men that were involved in finding a person to kill this woman and going back and forth for money. And oh, like who is at work? And they're like, hey, hey, Russ, <laughs> you know anyone that wants to knock off a baby killer? Like who like, has that conversation? How much you going to get me? Like, who has that conversation, you know? I don't know. I don't. I can tell you that. And then you'd be like, nah, I'm sorry. I don't. But I do know someone who does. I can honestly say I don't know anyone. Or if I do know that person. I don't know it. And I don't know it, right? But if someone came to me and asked me if I knew someone that messed with babies, I would say, no, what's this person's name? Because then I would go find him and I would beat the shit out of him and then I would call the cops. I wouldn't kill him. But if... But I would want proof that he's actually mm-hmm. messing with kids or babies. But I would definitely do something. Yeah. I, I would mean, be proactive. Yeah. But I wouldn't go hire somebody to kill him. And the sad thing is, is this woman, yes, she was having an affair. Absolutely. And I did watch, um, there's a show called Something Mansions. And it's about wealthy people. Um, Lifestyles of the <laughs> <rich> and <framers. laughs> Yes. It's like wealthy people that have been murdered. And this situation was on there. Deadly Mansions. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, because I was thinking like, how did Joy have so much money? I was going to ask that too, but, but wasn't her, wasn't he, a, he owned his own business, right? Yeah. I mean, Larry Ayler had his own construction business, but apparently she also was a part of that. And she came from money and came from construction. So her family kind of helped Larry get oh, where he okay. got. It was kind of messed up. Like not only did your husband have an affair, which is obviously awful, then you off his mistress just because you're jealous, not because you're thinking, 
oh my god, my husband doesn't love me. Mm-mm. How can it's, he? She's getting the shit that she, I should be getting. Exactly. And, and you don't even have the balls to do it yourself. You hire somebody or you talk to somebody who talked to somebody who talked to... And it's like 15 levels deep and exactly. you don't even know who did it. Mm-hmm. All you know is it's done. And it's done in such a... And how can you not be affected by how she was left? And what about her son? Mm-hmm. How does it say like where he is today and how is, how is he doing? Is he... There's not much, not much about him, but his dad, Dr. Peter, he had his own internal medicine business and he practiced for many years. I think he said he passed away in 2015, but he practiced for a very long time. And his son, I think is also a doctor now. Okay, good. Um, but I, I I think he kind of wanted to stay out of the media because I I couldn't find a lot on him. I would. That was a good one. Good job. Bye y'all. Bye y'all. Love you. Case file 23, Roseanne Galunas, closed.